Welcome to the Pubway Podcast. Each episode will showcase a conversation with a leader from the publishing world. If you're working at a publisher, a DSP or SSP, or you're just curious about the media industry and want to sit down and pick the brains of the experts within the publishing space, then this is the show for you. Hi there, and welcome to the Pubway Podcast. My name is Tina Yanakino. And I'm Mike Villalobos. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing big data, how publishers, publishers can monetize uh, within the news environment with a video lens. And we're going to be uh, referring to our expert uh, here joining us today. Yep. And it's our pleasure to introduce Tom Packies, the co-founder and CEO at Xco. Tom, thanks for having us today. Hey, Tina. Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Amazing. Uh, I would love for you to share with our audience a bit more about Exco um, and your role there, uh, just to better set up the conversation. So Exco is uh, an online video platform that specializes in uh, monetization. So essentially, we uh, understood uh, early on that uh, video beyond is uh, it being a format or a medium that uh, is very popular and we consumers uh, like to uh, to watch and and uh, enjoy it. The monetization side is extremely important, and one of the main reasons beyond the popularity um, that publishers are adopting video is the monetization aspect. Um, so we tied the two and essentially are giving a full-blown solution from hosting, streaming uh, the videos to monetizing them in the best way possible using uh, you know, I wouldn't say AI, but I would uh, say uh, machine learning uh, capabilities that we invested a lot in and seeing fantastic results. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not not the year of AI. <laughs> it's, yeah, literally every it's, conference uh, yeah, AI, and panel. <laughs> yeah, AI is, uh, is a bit overused, even though, you know, with recent uh, developments, ChatGPT and so on, we're getting close to maybe uh, you know, uh, saying artificial intelligence and, and, uh, get, getting that, but machine learning, uh, and statistical models are, uh, still not yet employed by, uh, you know, our industry as much as it could. And we're very happy to, uh, lead that, uh, front. Amazing. Um, so yeah, I'd love to kind of dive in and acknowledge that like several ad tech companies, we are working with. We know that Exco was founded and also has a large presence out of Tel Aviv. Um, with the recent events happening there, can you tell us a bit more about just how your employees yeah. and loved ones are doing in the situation? Yeah. So, uh, so we all know uh, what happened on the 7th uh, of October and also everything that happened since. Uh, first of all, you know, let me start just by saying that, uh, I hope uh, for peace, you know, I want everyone, uh, from every side, not only in, in the Middle East, but, uh, all over the world to live peacefully, uh, in prosperity, uh, and you know, it's crazy that in 2023, uh, we need to deal with, uh, with things like that. I would say that, uh, you know, the impact on, on Israelis, uh, whether they're, uh, and specifically in our company whether they're Jewish, uh, uh, Israeli Arabs, uh, Muslims, uh, people that came from Germany, from the U S so we have, we, 
We have a, a big group of people that uh, came from all over the world. They're currently, you know, trying to uh, be safe, I guess, you know, while missiles uh, uh, still fall on, th on them. And, and there is a real worry of, uh, of uh, terrorists still roaming in the country. But, uh, but one of the things that, uh, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's all over the news, I guess. So, so I won't elaborate too much on that, but one of the things that, uh, is actually, um, top of mind for, for me and others right now is the anti-Semitism we're seeing, uh, all over the world. And, uh, honestly, it's, uh, we're very worried and quite fearful and scared, scared of, of what we're seeing from. Uh, in New York, you know, where, where I'm based, we're seeing, uh, college students remove, uh, pictures of, of kidnapped babies. We're seeing, uh, you know, in New York, a uh, city college, uh, that police needed to rescue a group of, of Jewish people and so on. I, I think that, you know, with, uh, the complexity in the Middle East. Um, we still need to remain human and understand that, you know, uh, not be racist and try and resolve this in, in, in a way that, uh, would really be best for all people. Um, with respect to our industry, a lot of advertisers are steering clear or trying to steer clear from current events or anything that anything in the news that made. Um, jeopardize them in the way they want to be seen. Um, what, what's your advice to, to brands, agencies, or just media buyers in general, when it comes to buying against news, uh, and current events, um, as they are today or in, in the future? So I think they're missing a very big opportunity. Uh, let's start just by saying that, you know, most of the budgets today go for social. So on social. Right now, with everything that happens, a lot of the, the content is about, is, is news content, right? That's what we're most engaged uh, with. That's what we're chasing for. Uh, and the, the budgets, the campaigns are running there and everyone is happy. Probably, you know, the impact, I would claim the impact is even higher. I, I would say the performance are even better. So it's surprising uh, almost that uh, the open web the websites, the journalists are getting different treatment by brands than, uh, than the budgets on, on social, uh, um, and what's more interesting than news and what's more engaging than news, right? So, um, I think that's the right place that, uh, brands should, uh, should, should be at. That's, uh, that's where the most engagement, most attention, most memorable place to be in and it's definitely underutilized and, and I guess for, uh, for reasons we'll discuss soon, not, uh, not being utilized. Yeah, for sure. And I, I feel that for the brand side, the, the choice or the, the intentional choice to not show up against powerful moment, um, actions speak louder than words because those dollars could help drive more editorial reach and impact um but it's hard when the dollars don't follow so i, I definitely think um it's a missed opportunity to to not take it more seriously and, and look to change how we are approaching it in general 
And I mean, as we know, like a lot of advertisers clearly want to steer clear of a, uh, about news content in general. Um, do you have any thoughts on kind of the common concerns or fears that advertisers might be thinking about, um, especially during a news cycle like we're in right now? You know, is that presumed risk real? So, you know, I, I split the... Uh, I guess, uh, you know, simplifying it and split the reasons to two. One would be opinions uh, and, you know, a view from my colleagues and peers, right? What does it mean if I now advertise on a specific website? Does it mean I'm now supporting that website? What does it mean about you, right? You even mentioned in the way you asked the question, you said there is a higher value of supporting journalism. I think... Most definitely, but maybe I hope it's not, con uh, you know, uh, controversial, but it's first about the business impact, right? Uh, let's, let's first prioritize the business impact and then ask which kind of values I'm supporting and so on. And I think a lot of the decisions currently made in our industry come from what will other people think about me uh, and not necessarily uh, from, uh, from business perspective, you know, the IAB issued a research that showed that actually being a, uh, uh, advertising within news actually is, uh, is so much better. So I don't think that, you know, for the reasons of what will others think about me, I don't think uh, business has anything to do with it and quite the, the opposite potentially, because that's what uh, research uh, shows. Yeah. I think so that's one. Oh. Yeah, oh, wait, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think impact fortifies partnership and the relationship between the brand and also uh, the content creator or uh, the site. Um, there are a lot of ways to fortify that impact. It can be viewed through uh, time on site. It can be viewed through page page depth, whatever, or the amount of pages that was read. Um, I guess, how do you see that relationship between a content provider or a website or a publisher? getting stronger with a brand? Uh, how does that evolve in the future? Um, and what do the two sides need from each other to you know, take that next step forward to increase the impact to your point and also uh, just general investment? So, you know, uh, and it also uh, uh, touches the, the previous question in the sense that uh, if, if we prioritize business impact, then that's how we should uh, measure it. So a lot of the ways we measure uh, or ask whether I want to advertise right now on a specific uh, news uh, publisher or not. Uh, the, the question is, unfortunately, not whether it's going to bring the impact that uh, I want, but what does it mean about me? What does it mean about the brand and so on? While I think uh, uh, that's one of the things that, uh, that need to change. The relationship needs to be much more transparent in terms of what's the KPIs of the campaign, what's the KPIs of the targeting. And I think it's the uh, publisher's responsibility to help the brand achieve their marketing uh, KPIs while also catering for their audience. And I think that's what's unique. And I think it's uh, the, the brand side needs to be a bit more respectful to the fact that if there is a website um, that uh, potentially uh, publish news that uh, maybe uh, they find, uh, you know, they less relate to 
it still doesn't mean that the campaign wouldn't work and it's being respectful to their audience. You know, don't, don't block a website because of the content per se, because there is obviously an audience, a big group, otherwise it wasn't even a consideration. There is a big group of readers that, uh, value that content and find it interesting. And I think it's, uh, you know, if we live in a, a free country and we support the pluralism, then there is no uh, reason why uh, we shouldn't advertise there. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, like you just said, you know, there's definitely some challenges, but there, there's also opportunities for publishers specifically as it relates to increasing monetization um, and engagement from their audience amid a ton of newly evolving regulations around AI and consumer data privacy. Um, could you provide some examples of innovative strategies or maybe even technologies too that publishers can leverage thoughtfully to be successful in this very complex landscape that we're in? Yeah, so uh, um, I think, you know, the, the first thing uh, would be uh, on the brand side. I think the brand needs to adopt better tools to know where they are running. We're trying to simplify. So, you know, there is a lot of discussions about MFAs and uh, news and negative news and so on. And the tools that we're currently using are uh, too rough. They're not, they're not accurate enough. Uh, and, and that's a problem. That's a problem to uh, the open web, to the internet itself. Uh, and it's a problem to, uh, to, uh, to brands of not reaching all the audiences that they should and could, uh, and AI can solve that. I think AI, uh, is the best, uh, way, um, to, uh, to better know where you're running, what type of content is it semantically? What does it mean? Keywords don't mean anything. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, uh, so AI is definitely the solution uh, to that. And I think, uh, you know, potentially brands need to invest in it, but also publishers uh, uh, should invest in it. Another thing, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit funny, but uh, I think, you know, AI, uh, uh, the best uh, one, one of the best use cases for AI is to recognize AI. So I think, uh, that definitely we should uh, employ that because uh, in a couple of years, I think we wouldn't be able to know whether what we're reading was written authentically by a journalist, a writer, an editor. And it doesn't matter if they use some tools to help them, but whether a human was involved in uh, writing this piece or it wasn't. And I think publishers should already, in a way, united Need, needs to address that because I'm sure that that's going to be the next trend. You know, uh, it's now it's MFA. Uh, the next thing, I don't know to give it a title yet, but would be let's not advertise on AI content. There's always something to, uh, to bring up or to poke, poke fun at. So I'm sure we'll, we'll find the next trend in the next couple of weeks, to be honest. Um, you met, you mentioned, uh, tooling, uh, and just to be a little bit more prescriptive to our audience. I think it'd be, it'd be really helpful to understand what tools do you think should be prioritized coming up in the new year? I mean, I think everyone's in this now planning phase for 2024. Um, so 
getting your insight into what publishers should look at from a monetization view of look at these two or three tools going into 24 to better monetize or just to better amplify uh, your productivity. That'd be super helpful. Um, we don't need to call anybody out by any means, but um, you know, just I think in the general realm, that'd be super helpful. Okay, so generally, I think you know the the maybe the title for for everything I'm gonna say is adopt technology. I think publishers for too long, definitely, you know, the value to the consumer is the content, but publishers for too long didn't realize they they actually need needs to be converted into tech companies, sort of startups, uh, and adopt that uh, innovative uh, thinking and and what can we do more? What can we adopt? And the industry, I'm very happy to say that we're seeing the industry move away from uh, these big uh, minimum guarantees uh, and, uh, you know, real estate for, uh, for money type of deals um, that essentially don't allow you to, to develop and grow because predictability is the positive side of that, but uh, also predictability means that it can't get better than this. So to your question, I think, you know, one of the things that publishers definitely need to do is start adopting monetization tools and know how to operate them by themselves. So from uh, what Exco does, but we're not the only ones, right? Uh, uh, yield optimization, really making sure that uh, you, in a way, fight back the intensive amount of uh, and, and just crazy amount of algorithms that buy side have, publishers need to have their own. So monetization tech from display yield, native yield, video yield, and so on, that's, that's one thing that publishers definitely need to do to AI tools to help them write, reduce costs, uh, fact check, and essentially uh, do tasks for the editorial team that currently is manual and, and labor intensive. And the third is try and explore new audiences or places you can uh, reach new audiences. I think today each publisher is a sort of a closed garden to itself and there is a lot of room for collaboration and one of the examples that i you know i hope uh, it will pick up i'm in every in every conversation with publishers that we work with i i try and bring it up there is so much good content out there right there's so much good content on tiktok on instagram on facebook this content is created by people millions of people that create amazing content and i'm just bugged why publishers aren't doing something with it right connecting to these people starting to bring that amazing content uh, in you know why not when i visit now a page why not give me the option to watch five different live streams from people around the world uh, that are currently speaking about the topic that I'm interested about. You talked about dwell time. You know, the average dwell time right now is about a minute on a page. The average per se uh, the average pages per session is about 1.1. So essentially not much engagement. I think it's time to innovate around the main product of the publisher that 
is the content. That's fair. And then to your point, user-generated content has gotten so much better. You have folks that yeah. are producing, I mean, professional, qual professional quality outputs, whether it be audio, whether it be video, pictures, you take your pick, right? Also with phones becoming so much more powerful with processing power, um, it's just, it's showing the capability that people can have with the creativity. Um, in that same kind of frame of thought, what do you see happening in 2024? Do you think UGC becomes one of the major trends in 2024? Are there any other like two, three, four tidbits that you think are going to be uh, mainstays as we go into the new year, aside from AI? Because I think we all know that. <laughs> uh, um, I hope, you know, that's uh, so, you know, there is, uh, I don't know if it's a prediction or, or uh, uh, hope, um, but that's that's what I hope for, because, uh, and also the term UGC, you know, that's a term I think belonged past. I, I, I don't know what's not UGC nowadays and, and why even, you know, a lot of the writers that work at the newspaper also themselves write on, on, on social platforms there. So, so it's the same people sometimes. I think it's about innovating uh, with content. Uh, vertical videos, probably we're talking to a lot of publishers about vertical videos. There is still uh, a miss there in terms of, of, uh, advertising budgets. Okay. So these budgets are not available yet. I hope they will be. That's, that's the kind of thing that can, can push this trend over the line and really make it real, uh, to allow publishers to monetize uh, vertical videos. I also hear conversations about interactive content, which is amazing. Uh, you know, making the internet great again, I guess, you know, the, all these social platforms came innovated and it seems to work. So I think publishers definitely need to do that. I would say in 2024, you know, maybe you will have a deja vu moment, but, uh, the cookies are going away. A cookie-less environment, it seems like it's going to happen in 2024 and it's a major thing. And, you know, I hope, uh, I hope no one really knows the impact of that. We're all getting ready, you know, with identity solutions and contextual targeting and so on, but no one really knows the impact. And from that perspective, you know, on the publisher side, obviously, you know, Anxiety is the main, uh, main theme, but on the advertising side, I think the, the anxiety should be higher, you know? So it's, uh, I'm not sure what's the plan over there because, uh, because that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big change that, uh, that would, uh, I believe mostly would impact advertisers and uh, less publishers. Totally. And I have a personal connection with the the newly emerging kind of vertical video conversations that's been having. I worked at Major League Baseball over 10 years ago and I was production assistant and we would get so mad at our uh, production team who would be on site at games, stadiums, what have you. And they would send vertical videos and we would being like, turn your phone sideways. This, this is never going to take off. And like we just it was just such a point of contention internally but again this is a decade ago so I, I i it's funny for me to see it come back around and now everyone's obsessed with it and obviously it makes sense why because we're living so mobily now um but i, I think it's it's definitely 
pretty interesting from so my fetch happened. Yeah, <laughs> fetch happened exactly. Yeah. And um, a decade, I thought a decade from now we might all wear these glasses that you know the screen size would actually be the entire world, right? The entire viewpoint of of our eyes, and maybe we'll go back to uh, uh, big designs, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, vertical would go uh, away because it is very much attached and, and relates to the mobile phone and, you know, the, the size of the mobile phone and its the ratios, for sure. Totally. Um, I, I think, too, um, on the topic of um, the content itself, especially generative AI is obviously super trendy as well. One of the many buzzwords of this year. Um, and given your expertise um, for both yourself and Exco and, and where you guys sit in the ecosystem, could you kind of share your thoughts on the potential opportunity there as it relates to publishers and their monetization strategies? Um, is there anything emerging because of generative AI that we should keep an eye, an eye on? So, so, you know, there is, the, I would say there is uh, the obvious right it's much easier now to uh, write a piece it's much easier you know to uh, to uh, collect uh, information from the internet in a in a way that takes much less time even though you know not highly recommended today but let's assume that in a couple of years it would uh, get to a point where uh, you know it it would be more accurate and and there won't be the crazy misses that that we have right now, but uh, I think on the video side, it's really interesting. Uh, on the video side, video is so hard to produce that I think AI can uh, definitely uh, make a revolution there. Uh, we're already seeing a lot of companies, uh, new companies, obviously, starting to uh, to use generative AI to create videos uh, from scratch. Not only create videos. I also edit videos. Um, so the whole process of creation, editing, and even matching, that's something we do at Exco, is, is going to be disrupted in a very, very positive way. So I think that's one thing. And if I attach it to what we talked about earlier, about so much content being already available by just creators and people. Uh, generative AI can definitely help us uh, sort and make some structure to it so we could better access it, better utilize it as publishers and so on. And I, I think uh, Gen AI is, uh, would, would create the same revolution that uh, mobile phones did, that the internet did. Uh, that's, that we're just at the beginning. You know, if you're excited now, wait five years and, and see what happens. It's, I'm excited, but also a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Um, with some of the, I think, uh, so my brother's actually uh, a writer and he's he's nervous as well, just mainly because of the data sets that are being trained for generative AI. And then essentially what happens with royalties that ha that are after the fact is, is going to be a challenge, but it, definitely an addressable one. Um, but also, I don't know about you, Tina, but um, I got a phone call from what sounded like a friend, but it was a, it was a generative voiceover. Um, like it sounded like a buddy of mine, but it was like a, a number from like Mexico. And I was like, this is odd, but like granted that family that this is not where you're from. Like it was a really weird situation where, uh, it was, it sounded like them on it with the voiceover, but I knew it wasn't given the number and that spooked me a little bit, but we'll see where it goes. Hopefully we can 
figure out our, our regulations a little better. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, AI essentially, you know, is power to the people. And when you give power to the people, uh, things can go really well and things can go really bad. So I'm sure, again, it's only the beginning. I'm sure there would be restrictions and policies in place to, uh, to protect us. But, you know, touching that, it's very interesting because uh, we're talking about news. News is the only thing that the AI won't be able to do, right? If, uh, if something currently happens in New York City, AI is a compilation of everything that happened in the past, but not on what's happening right now. So essentially news are going to be the, the most interesting and most likely thing that would be still done by us, by people. Um, at least in, at least in, you know, the foreseeable future, I, we can imagine, uh, you know, in a sci-fi, uh, movie where, you know, even the, the cameras are reporting the stories themselves. But otherwise, you know, journalists, people that actually cover what is just happening right now, uh, that would not be able, uh, uh, you know, AI might support that, but definitely not generate that. And that makes news even more important and more interesting in the coming years. For sure. For sure. Um, I would love to kind of um, deviate a little bit from our, our ad tech focus conversation, um, just based on your interests and what you've um, brought to the table in our conversation. I would love to know, what are you reading right now? What, what's on your bookshelf? Like, what is interesting outside of our ecosystem? Or maybe it's still within our industry. I'm not sure. Yeah, so, <laughs> Live, so, eat, uh, breathe. Yeah. yeah. So, no. So, you know, uh, first of all, about, I was one of the early adopters of, uh, of ebooks. Uh, I don't know. In the Nook times, you know, there was uh, before Kindle. So, so yeah, cause, cause I was reading so much and, you know, I didn't have place for all the books and, and also, you know, environmental and paper and so on, but essentially everything fantasy and sci-fi. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I, I read everything that comes out pretty much, uh, from very niche, uh, weird genres in fantasy to, uh, the most, uh, common mainstream, uh, authors and for me, reading is, uh, is escapism. So I definitely, you know, during the day I'll read, uh, the blog post and so on, but, uh, in my free time, I try to, uh, uh, read things that, uh, have no relation to, uh, anything I do actually. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I keep hearing in the fantasy realm, I keep hearing about, I think it's called fourth wing. That, that's something that everybody's freaking out about right now. And I, apparently I need to read it. <laughs> you should. Yeah. It's, uh, what's, what's amazing about fantasy is that it's the, it's very creative, you know, it's, it's very creative. And also, you know, we're living, we're living for me, right. It's very subjective, but for me, I don't want to hear about problems that are, uh, usually, you know, there is a, there is a challenge in a book, right? There is some sort of misery or, or something that needs to be accomplished. And so I wanted to be as distant as possible from, from, from what I know, right? I don't want it to be about a lost one, or I want it to be about some magical creature that we need to save. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, uh, but that's just me. So. 
Totally. Love it. Um, cool. Well, I, I would love to kind of close things out with, we've covered a lot of topics, obviously yeah. ranging from generative AI to fantasy, but it would be great to hear from you kind of like one key takeaway that our audience can leave the conversation today with, um, especially as we're going into another crazy year in our industry. So for, uh, so maybe I'll, uh, give, uh, you know, for publishers, I'll say innovate and stop being defensive, stop running your business from a defensive, uh, standpoint. Search and social algorithms will change and trying to only keep what exists and what, you know, last year's revenue, uh, is basically a way to, uh, uh to, uh, you know, to bleed out year after year. So I, I would, you know, the takeaway would be for publishers to, to, uh, to really be bold and, and, you know, think of how to grow and how to be big and how to collaborate less than, uh, being defensive, uh, as, the, uh, as they are right now. And for advertisers is to understand their, uh, role in the open internet, you know, and, and in, uh, pluralism and in democracy, uh, and really be minded that, you know, their decisions uh, really shape the world, um, and, and be minded to that, that it's a big responsibility and, you know, creating these lists, uh, of who's good and who's bad, who to support and who, uh, to not support, you know, it's a dangerous path and, and, you know, take the decisions based on your business needs first. And I think that that would shape the industry that would be um, healthy and sustainable for the long term. Love it. Makes sense. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. We've loved speaking with you today and I definitely learned a lot and excited to see where the next wave of innovation is going to come from. And I think there's a lot of strong players like Exco who are helping to lead the charge for publishers and um, yeah, it's been great talking to you, Tom. Nice to meet you officially as well. Great meeting you. And uh, thanks again for having me. And have a wonderful day. Chat to you. You too. Thank you. Take care.